G'day guys, welcome to episode 10 of the JPS podcast, all the way from Bali, and we have a very special guest today, Miss Rebecca Chambers. Welcome back. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. And Beck is a media and communications graduate with growing experience in journalism and has worked in digital media and is an editor for a fitness magazine. Aside from this, she's a blogger, she's a trainer, now a trainer, and a kick-ass content writer for those of you who are unaware. And she's helped and inspired as well as influenced young women all around Australia through her witty storytelling and sharing of her experiences with training and diet on social media. So Beck is somebody that I really admire in terms of her honesty on social media and the way that she's been able to as I mentioned, influence uh, young females to have a better relationship with food, body, and exercise. So, Beck, my first question for you is, how the hell did you fall into the industry? So, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Personal training was never the goal. Um, I never really thought that I was going to go down that track. And I first started working at Fitness First, um, a gym in Sydney, but all over Australia, I guess, uh, as a receptionist, I scored that job through a friend who I worked with at Lorna Jane. So yeah. fitness was always a major part of my life. Um, or not always, but most, most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started working at fitness first, yeah, as I said, I didn't look at the personal trainers and kind of look, think that I would ever be doing that. I actually thought that I was a real noob when it came to fitness. Like, you just feel really uncomfortable in the gym and yeah. shit. I had to work out by myself. I was, I actually had to muster up the courage to do it. Like, I had to make sure that my yeah. songs were back to back on my iPod. And Rick Ross? Make sure, yeah, mostly Rick Ross. Um, make sure like my outfit was on point and I, just remember this overwhelming sense of anxiety every time I trained by myself. So it certainly wasn't like a personal trainer to be at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I actually worked with many trainers. Uh, I've had three coaches over maybe six or seven years. And I guess as I moved through the trainers, it was almost like a evolution yeah. into feeling more confident and then – I guess the blog is what really made me realize that I could have a difference yeah. and probably spurred my idea that in order to do more, I needed to be fully qualified, obviously. Yeah. Such a yeah. strange industry, not be fully qualified and help people um, more than people who are qualified. But yeah, that, that did it for me. And then Nick actually won a course at the AIF last year, um, Australian Institute of Fitness, and he gave it to me. So I ended yeah. up doing my certs. Yeah. I'd already done my cert three a couple of years before because I was a spin instructor. But yeah, that's how it came to fruition. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's yeah. quick. Yeah. That's shorthand version. Yeah, that's very cool. And I wanted to talk to you today. We're going to discuss everything training, nutrition, but more importantly, body image, um, along with relationship yeah. with food and exercise, because I. I see you as somebody who's really transitioned into having a much better uh, relationship with your body, food, and you know your mindset and everything else in between. And recently, you posted on your social media a before and after photo. And oh, yeah. I'd like to talk to you about this, and not talk about hey, what did you do to you know lose the weight and build a booty, but I want to talk no. to you about 
the mindset of 17-year-old Beck on the left and what the yeah. mindset of Beck now is in comparison to that? Um, I think the probably key word that I would use to describe that transformation is suppression. Yeah. Um, and I say that because I feel that that 17-year-old me knew how I felt, but what made it worse was that I, I was under the impression that I couldn't share it while being respected and liked. Yeah, um, yeah. I think over the years what I've learned, for lack of a better word, is to be vulnerable and to yeah. kind of own that vulnerability and to know that being honest about what you're going through actually builds strength. I think yeah, right. that's a commonly kind of misconstrued idea that being vulnerable and open and emotional leads to weakness, mm. but actually what it does is completely strips away all the bullshit and means that I own everything. I own I own every bad, good, amazing, shadowy part of myself, and that means that I, yeah, I'm not suppressed anymore, but... I guess also 17-year-old me really hated hated herself. <laughs> like I I can remember so many days where I thought to myself, how am I ever going to be happy or successful when I look like this? And that's, A, that's wrong because we all link the way we look to success, which is there's actually no link between the two, you know, yeah, despite sure. society we – tend to elevate um, physical attraction, attractiveness and looks, um, it actually means nothing. And me being fit or beautiful or um, in model territory doesn't make me any more valuable, successful or worthy to the world. It really shouldn't. Um, so I think also kind of letting go of the idea that I need to be beautiful in order to be liked and successful was huge because – I mean, that makes you invincible, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's um, something that you've spoken about uh, quite a lot of recent times is allowing yourself to be vulnerable and being honest. And in your recent YouTube video with Nick, hashtag couples goals, I watched that. That was yeah. it was very good watching. And besides the, the banter between you and Nick and you know the obvious uh, jokes that you guys were playing on each other and whatnot, to... Put yourself in that position and allow yourself to be vulnerable um, is something that I really do admire. And do you think, Beck, that you know social media places undue pressure on young girls to look a certain way? And how do you deal with the pressure? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it does. I think that some of the blame actually falls back onto us, though. Mm. You know... Like, to put it in perspective, we often look at big media companies and condemn them for putting out a certain perspective to the news that we feel doesn't give the full picture, right? Or we condemn them for putting out stories that we feel aren't as important as other stories. But at the end of the day, those media companies are putting out things that people want to read and that sell. So, yeah. you know, is the problem with the media company or is the problem with society as a whole, right? And same thing, look at it the same way with Instagram celebrities because at the end of the day, most of the big pages you're following now, that is their job. They are making their living yeah. from literally putting up a photo and having you engage with it. Yeah. So 
is the problem with the Instagram celebrity or is the problem in what the general Instagram public, I don't even know if that's a thing, yeah, like yeah. and but. engage, right? So I think it's more just becoming conscious of what's a good message, what's a, what's a realistic image, what's a non-realistic image and should I be fueled solely by the way an Instagram model looks or should I be fueled by a holistic balanced approach to looking like that and I think sometimes there's a gray area because we think that um I'm not going to name any names but god there's some bloody gorgeous girls on Instagram let's face it those girls a they're not living your life they're not working Mm. a nine to five eight to six seven to eight let's be honest um they are getting a fake tan three days a week and yeah. they make breast implants and their yeah. clothes they're wearing they did not buy. So yeah. <laughs> it's hard to compare yourself to that fucking beautiful woman. Don't get me wrong. She is so beautiful, but that isn't your life, you know. Mm. So it be motivated by it but also realise that applying that to your hectic, stressful life probably isn't that realistic yeah sure that's a brilliant response and it's a good way to look at it because it's there's two competing arguments for you know the fitness industry putting up images like that it's you know motivating people to go out and train and exercise and be healthy and then it's balancing that with you know i guess fat acceptance and saying well it's okay to you know just sit on your ass and be fat be beautiful in who you are there's these two competing uh arguments there but do you think that you know, the fitness industry as a whole and especially those, you know, Instagram celebrities are hindering people's ability to lead a healthy lifestyle? Um, I wouldn't say hindering. I don't know. When I – I don't know if I'm actually that um, into the fitness industry. I don't know if I have a really, like, world view of the fitness industry because mm. I, I, I almost feel like I live in a bubble in some ways <laughs> um, only because I don't – I'm not, I don't feel like I have that life where I'm going to um, like expos and really engaging with other people that are doing what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I look at it through um, rose-colored glasses in some ways because the people that I do engage with are doing awesome. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, like the people I follow, I really, I really feel like they've got a message and the people that maybe don't, I just don't engage with. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that as a whole, the fitness industry is leading people astray. I think that there are people in the fitness industry who are selling a pipe dream and making a lot of money off it, absolutely. But I think that happens in um, every major industry. So I don't think that the fitness industry is worse than any other. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of – and I think we all know, like, skinny tea is not going to make you skinny. Or it might, but it's only because you pooed your pants. Like (laughs) – Let's be honest, like yeah. that teeth whitening thing, like there's a reason why yeah. every beautiful Instagram celebrity has a photo with that teeth whitening thing. They're paying a lot of money to have people use the teeth whitening thing. Yeah. I just don't yeah. know if it really works. Maybe you should go to a dentist. Yeah. Like I, th- I just think if you think it's too good to be true, i.e. you have tried everything they're saying is going to work and it hasn't for you in the past, I don't think that their $50 program is going to give you the booty of your dreams. That's excellent advice. And what would your advice be to young girls who are 
obviously looking for somebody to follow as inspiration, to learn from, whatever it may be. What should young girls look for in a role model on social media? Okay, yeah. Um, So (laughs) I find this one a bit hard because I just don't feel like there's any, like, right or wrong answer. I I don't think that there's anyone on social media that would be a completely bad role model. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess even to have made it big enough on social media to be deemed a role model as a male or a female is kind of like you've kind of done the right thing in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess there's there's bad kind of fame too. But I think the major thing that I would hope, you know, if I was talking to 16-year-old me, it would be not to do the fad diet thing, um, to idolise other women's bodies less and just to idolise their ideas and the way that they um, speak and the way that they treat others. Um, And generally, like as a general rule, I think that if it has – if what you're buying or what somebody is selling has like a time limit associated with it, if it has anything to do with um, diet or exercise, i.e. 12-week program, 8-week program, um, and it's not like a complete lifestyle overhaul or like a, something that you could keep doing for years, mm-hmm. I would err on the side of caution only because, as we all know now, doing something for eight weeks is only going to last for eight weeks. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I'm not like bagging periodized programming that goes for 12 weeks. I just think, you know, there has to be like a lifelong plan that's yeah. put together teaching good habits. Yeah, for sure. I love that response. And self-image and personal growth is something that a lot of young females struggle with. And it's something that you've talked about openly on social media. And you've mentioned in the past that you would keep your emotions to yourself and you struggled with being vulnerable and not being perfect. So how now do you deal with being vulnerable? And can you discuss how that's allowed you to improve your lifestyle and approach to fitness uh, yeah so you know I guess it's kind of easy for me to put out some big ideas when I, I said this on a YouTube video the other day you know when you put out something that makes you feel scared which I have done many times I've put out a post and I feel like I want to pull it down in the first 10 minutes um, just because I feel like it's a bit raw yeah uh, I think it's easier for me to kind of ride that out because I have thousands of people telling me that what I'm doing is okay. Yeah. So yeah. I get validation every single day. <laughs> That's pretty easy. So um, I guess it's a different story for somebody who's trying to open up to one person or just be honest and get no validation whatsoever. Like how are they growing from that? And is it different? Mm. Um, and yeah, it is different, I think. So... I, I suppose what I've learned from being open is that I got to know myself better and I think that knowing who you are, A, means that nobody can ever shock you. You know, when somebody says to me, oh, God, you're assertive, I'm not, that doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I yeah. think, like, I know. Or yeah. somebody will say, oh, you can, be, you can be a bit quick to, you don't think before you speak. I know, you know, yeah. but... Many years ago, if somebody said, oh, you can come off a bit harsh, I would have been, what? What do you mm. mean? I'm, 
am I harsh? I'd think about it for days, but now I know that about myself. I know the things I want to work on. You can say what you like to me, but I know. So that that's one thing. I think another thing is that in knowing yourself, it's um, a much easier path to start building sense of self and self-confidence mm. because, as I said, you know, when and people do, like, I'll call you out for anything. I've had friends that have said, like, well, I don't like being around you because you're outspoken. And I think to myself back then, I all I would think about is I need to be less outspoken. I need to yeah. calm things down. I need to not say what I want to say. But these days, I think that's great. I love I love being outspoken. I think that's what some people like about me. And if you yeah. don't, then it's okay because mm. I like that about me. That's not something mm. I would change. Um, I think, yeah, those are two major things that, that that's helped with. And, yeah, I think it just um, – I think I, I would hope that I give other people um, the confidence to do the same. Yeah, and I definitely think you do that. And you're currently writing a book about the things you've learned, yeah. correct? Yeah, it's going well. It's almost done. Almost done. <laughs> I'm excited to read. I'm excited to read this because I do share a lot of your uh, content uh, with my female clients because I think it really uh, it inspires them and it's very relatable. But besides the information um, and the important stuff in that book, such as you know, there's nothing new in the fridge after the fifth time you've checked. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learnt about yourself through making mistakes? In that book? Or yep. just generally? Generally oh. in that book. Making mistakes is that I dwell on them for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I read something the other day about um, perfectionism and how, how a type A personality deals with life. <laughs> And I think that um, if you think that you can be perfect your entire life, then it becomes a cyclical self-fulfilling prophecy because mm. I want to be perfect at something. I make a mistake. I try harder to be perfect. I make another mistake. Like it, it does, it just yep. keeps going and it starts reflecting on your self-worth. Like I connect my self-worth with being perfect at XYZ skill or XYZ thing I do every day. If I fail at it, then that reflects on my self-worth. Therefore, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just like digging myself deeper and deeper into this hole. Yeah. Um, so I think what I've learned about mistakes is that if the mistake hurts another person, it's okay to feel bad about that. You know, I, I am such a oxymoron of a person because I care deeply about the way I treat people. It's probably the, my biggest worry in life, the way I I talk to people and the way I make them feel but I also say a lot of things that I don't think about before I say them <laughs> so yeah. I'm constantly living this life where I'm like god I hope I didn't hurt that person and then the <laughs> next like, I'll say something like your bum has grown like five or seven centimeters <laughs> like, oh god I hope that they would take that the way I like <laughs> yeah yeah Anyway, so, yeah, I think the mistake thing is, like, being comfortable with making mistakes mm. because, shit, we're all going to make them. I make them every single day. And I think that that makes you more relatable because, like, I'm going to life just like, you know, like a freaking elephant in a china shop. And so, <laughs> so you. we are all doing this together. And if you hurt somebody along the way, say sorry and hope that they know that yeah. mistakes are human 
a human thing. Yeah, for sure. And what were the most important mistakes for you to make? And what were the lessons that you learned from that? Um, important mistakes. Uh, this is a bit raw, but when I was 17, um, I got myself in a position where I was very unwell and I lost a lot of friends and I felt really alone. So I started telling a lot of lies. Like I, I became a liar. Like mm. I would lie about where I was when I was actually just off school because I couldn't face school. I would lie about um, what I was doing on the weekends so I didn't have to see people and potentially go out and eat a meal that I knew I couldn't eat or couldn't eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would lie to my friends' faces because I, you know, didn't want to go somewhere because I felt like um, calories would somehow be involved. And, yeah, I told heaps of lies. And I used to stay up at night thinking about them. Like, oh, if I just hadn't done that, then maybe I wouldn't have lost this friend. Or, you know, if I just couldn't – if I didn't, like, lie about where I was on the weekend, then maybe I wouldn't have been so lonely when I was 18, blah, 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 blah. You know, like snowball effect. But now I look at that and I think, you know, thank God I went through that, that phase because it's kind of like shaped me as a person. Yeah, um, for sure. And other mistakes, I don't know, none, none of them really stick out in my mind. I think I have, like, selective memory. Like, all the trauma I've caused other people, I'm like, no, 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 that didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> oh. Mistakes. I see them all as positive things now. Um Probably a, a mistake I've made in the recent past is that when I first started my Instagram, I got on my flexible dieting high horse mm. and tried to make it out like the world was black and white when it came to nutrition. Like I was heavy in my bio lane reading, heavy in my Alan Aragon reading, heavy in my <laughs> clean eating versus, you know, a glucose uptake debate. like. Yeah insulin intolerance like I really pumped that hard and looking back on it I've deleted so many posts because I think yeah. life is not that straightforward like mm. yes dieting is awesome does it work for everyone no do some people like will some people be able to stop at a line of chocolate in their entire life no mm. it's, not, <laughs> it's not that's just not the kind of personality type they are and yeah. just weighing out your nightly meal work if you have six children no, like it's never going to work. So teach these people guidelines to help them through life, but they're never going to weigh every fucking food they eat. Um, I think that's probably a mistake I made. But as you can see, like it's made me a more holistic um, person with a different perspective because, you know, my life is rosy and other people's aren't as. So That's, that's a brilliant response. I love that. And it's definitely something that I feel a lot of people in the industry have, uh, taken a little bit too far is the whole flexible dieting without really understanding the uh, practical implication for you know most normal people who work nine to five and all the rest of it. Definitely. And when you started training, like many girls, Beck, I'm sure you wanted to change you know the way you looked and your stomach, cellulite, and all the rest of it. But why do you train now? What's changed? Why do I train? Oh, um. Partially, like, serotonin addiction, I think. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good addiction to have. Yeah. Um, I find exercise um, 
meditative in many ways. I yeah. it's one of the only times where I feel like I'm not thinking that much. I still think because I like do that counting thing in my head. Um, I am really empowered by how strong I am, yeah. and I don't really think about people being impressed by it anymore. But I think it's impressive, yeah. and that, that <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, yeah, yeah, I find it really impressive, but I think now I. I'm just not as goal-oriented as I used to be, and I kind of like that. Mm. I, when I first started powerlifting, I used to have to get myself like to this point of um, – like I'd have to work myself up to this point of almost like I was going to faint. Like I had to be so almost shaking in the hands in order to just like hit a lift. <laughs> and I used to – like at the time I thought I was like, beast mode like oh yeah I'd <laughs> myself up like I'd get under the bar and like make a really loud like exhale to get my diaphragm yeah. working grunt <laughs> like just like the intensity like no wonder I walked out of the sessions exhausted like my yeah. CNS was just fried every session um but over time what I've learned is that you can actually be calm and lift a really heavy weight like yeah. I can max yeah. out and not make a fucking sound and I think there's some beauty in that For sure. um and it links to the meditation thing too because if you're so psyched that you're like you've got like pumping vein in your neck every time you lift, I just don't know if you're gonna get like the mindfulness practice yeah. out of it. Um, so yeah, I think I'm a lot calmer when I enter the gym, and also despite at times crying when I fail a lift, even to this day, like last night I was really tired. I failed my bench and I cried. Um, <laughs> I do feel like emotionally I'm more together in mm. and out of the gym and that, that spurs me on. Yeah, that's awesome. And I see powerlifting and strength training as being a phenomenal tool to help young girls change the way they look at exercise. You know, like you training to lose fat and you know decrease the amount of cellulite you have, now you train for performance and you know growth and all the rest of it but with that do you have any advice for young girls listening on how to make that transition into changing the way they look at exercise and training yeah i i'm not sure that there's any quick way to do that i find that there's some things that i speak about a lot that maybe just have to be experienced yeah. like it's all well and good for me to say like oh it's it performance goals in the gym but if somebody's just got into the gym and they want to look like Kayla at CNAS then me saying like do heavier pull downs like that's not going to work for them yeah um, so I think and this is what I do for my clients now too is that we kind of have like a three pillar goal system um and they kind of work concurrently throughout our entire time together so mm -hmm. rather than just focusing on let's lose six kilos and three percent body fat over the next 12 weeks then we actually have like a mindfulness goal. We have a performance goal that, that they all work together. They're all supporting each other. And that all gives you, like to somebody starting out and to anyone really, it's your bit of fallback when inevitably one week you don't achieve your goal. You know, yeah. like if I step on the scale and I've been eating like air and water for seven days and my weight doesn't go down, that sucks. But you know, you squatted your 60 kilos and yeah. you also 
like meditated three times a week. So in my mind, you're a success. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that my advice isn't just like lift heavy and disregard aesthetics because mm. that doesn't make any sense for most people. But I think it's having like a really well-rounded set of goals so that you're kind of satisfied in every major area of lifting. It's a bit more holistic. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a brilliant way to look at training and goal setting because if you have just one goal, then often when we're not progressing, it can be hard to, it can be a bit of pill to swallow and can be very yeah. demotivating. Definitely. And what are the biggest struggles that you faced in the gym when you first started? You mentioned how you thought you had to look perfect and all the rest of it, but when you started out lifting, what were some of the things that you struggled with? I didn't know what the hell to do. Mm. Like, I can remember so clearly thinking, I guess I could go on the weights floor, but I wouldn't even know where to start, you know? Because when you work with a trainer, I mean, maybe not everyone, but I don't look at what they're doing. Like, if they're setting up a machine for me, I, I'm, like, texting <laughs> some guy, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. half the time, like, I can remember this hack squat machine that I'd use all the time with this trainer I used to train with and then going up to use it and being like, I actually don't even know how this, like, how you start. Like, I know yeah. how to get into it, but I've never watched him actually, like, use the pin, so I'm kind of lost. Um, so, yeah, I think in my mind as well, if I had to use, like, one or more pieces of equipment, like, if I just had to use a dumbbell and I had three exercises to do with the same weight a dumbbell, I was kind of okay, but if it, if it entailed, like, use the bench and then head to the other side of the gym, do a pull-down, and then in the middle of that do some walking lunges, it was just, like, too much. I couldn't, like, my mind couldn't compute. I was like, yeah. fuck, but I'm going to have to see, like, 30 people and they're going to stare at me while I do it wrong. Like, can't I just stay in one spot? Like, maybe only one guy will see me drop yeah. the dumbbell on the boat. Um, so, yeah, that was a major struggle. And I... I I guess I kind of overlook those people now. Like, I could probably be giving more support to people who felt exactly like me, but at the end of the day, you just kind of got to get over it and pay attention to what your trainer's doing when they set you up on a machine so that you yeah. know how to do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, I also think that, like, one of, one of the major things I do now is that um, I run, like, a strength club for women. So yeah. it's like lots of women together training. And I think that you actually end up learning more off the other people you're training with than your trainer. Um, that's, that's not a good ad for me, but, you know, like I'm, I'm there like helping form and like making yeah. sure the yeah. is the right level. But, you know, like if you're squatting and you've got another girl who's exactly like you doing the same thing, I feel like you learn more that way. And um, yeah. I wish I had that. I didn't have that. I Like I'd bring a mate into the gym. We'd end up like just walking on the treadmill for like 45 minutes. But yeah, yeah. Get a trainer. That's probably that's probably my first piece of advice. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of nutrition, this is one area that a lot of girls can't wrap their head around for a number of reasons. Primarily, lack of education is uh, the main part. What were some of the things that you did in terms of your diet when you first started, and then what does it look like now? Besides a hell of a lot of donuts and burgers. Yeah, avoided carbs like the plague, um, but wasn't that educated about carbs because yeah. never eat like oats, rice, sweet potato, white potato, like bread, but would eat like three kilograms of fruit salad. Like, <laughs> and now that I know like the difference between like energy uptake of fructose and glucose, I just realized like how retarded that was. Like, <laughs> 
you know, like the fructose was actually like three to four times like worse for me in terms of like where it was going to be stored compared to the glucose. Anyway, um, that was pretty much all I did. I mm-hmm. also um, used to do like the whole eat a big meal, don't eat again till like dinner. I don't know why yeah. I used to do that. I thought that that, that that somehow like spurred weight loss, but it really doesn't. Um, and then obviously was introduced to um, counting my macros probably four years ago now and still had like the anti-carb idea. Mm-hmm. Thought that thought that if I kept my carbs to like 10 grams, 20 grams a day, that that would definitely result in weight loss again. Didn't work. Um, so as I went on there were still foods that I really associated with being bad and I used to avoid them all the time because generally what would happen would be that I would eat them obviously enjoy them they tasted amazing but then afterwards I'd have this kind of like heavy mind feeling where I felt heaps of guilt and over time I realized that by avoiding them I was just perpetuating the problem so over time I kind of like started introducing them and just writing out that crap feeling afterwards yeah yeah. Um, you know, Nick and I, we, like, a big, we share those, like, meals, like the donuts mm. and the stuff, but do we eat them that often? No. Yeah. Like, I can't eat that. I, can, mm. I probably eat it, like, once a fortnight if I'm lucky. And then everything else is kind of done in moderation. So, yeah, I, I don't like being that person who says, like, flexible dieting is just, like, a, a free pass to, like, as much processed garbage as you can because it's not but it just means that you don't need to be afraid should you feel like you want to eat one of those foods yeah yeah that's brilliant response and you spoke about the feelings of guilt now this is something that everyone deals with i'm not going to even say it's females uh that feel this when they eat a meal it's definitely males as well like it's everyone in general everyone in you know who cares about their body image which is 99 percent of us feel some level of guilt when they eat a meal that, you know, they probably feel like they shouldn't be having or is a little bit too much or, you know, for whatever reason, makes them feel bad. How do you deal with the guilt uh, of eating? And how have you transitioned from feeling so guilty when you eat a carb to now, you know, feeling less guilty to a degree? Um, Part of it is performance related. Mm -hmm. Like, I... I obviously know that food is more than fuel and anytime I've actually said food is fuel I get like <laughs> all these Italians like attacking me being like no it's more than that like it's family like, cause, you know, <laughs> like food is so connected to our culture you know and, like familia. yeah to socializing <laughs> and like I, I'm not trying to reduce food to like just energy and you could just like eat a cube of sugar and get by but um yeah, I think that looking at it as fuel, i.e. when I eat a bigger meal these days, even if it perhaps isn't as nutritionally dense or nutrient-dense as another meal, it's still fueling a pretty awesome workout, you know. And I I think I pay a lot more attention to the way my body feels after and during eating different foods now. Yeah, so like, yeah. I don't associate a burger with feeling like lethargic or crap. I know that happens to some people, but it might just be because it has a lot of salt in it. They haven't drunk enough water. Like, I don't actually feel like those foods have the power to make you feel that way. I think that people have told you that you should feel that way, and it's kind of like placebo. Yeah. Um, but another 
way. I mean, like I'm I'm pretty heavily into like mind training and stuff like that now. So another way I think of guilt is that like any emotion we experience isn't really us. Like somebody isn't an angry person. They feel anger and then they associate that with the person they are. Like I'm like, I'm not immersed in guilt. I'm feeling guilt and I can decide not to feel that. So generally what I do, if I ever feel that guilt is coming on is that I just note it. I, I'm feeling guilty. Why am I feeling guilty? Oh, because I probably had a bit too much chocolate tonight. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I work really hard today? Yes. Did I have to earn it? No. But what's the worst thing that it can do to me? Perhaps I see the scale a little bit higher. Do I mind that? No. Yeah. So, And then you let it go because you've just rationalized something that is irrational and you let it go. So, yeah, I think being a bit more aware of the way we think and why we think that way can really help let go of thoughts like anger, sadness, um, even anxiety. So, yeah, that's probably the method I use most often now. That's a very uh, powerful tool and skill to possess is the ability to uh, take yourself away from your emotions and look at it objectively and, yeah, draw conclusions from that on. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I think a lot of girls need to start uh, trying to implement some of these things so they can have better self-image and all the rest of it. And has there ever been a time, Beck, when you felt like giving up? Because from what I've seen, and I've been watching your journey for a while, you've exploded into the scene. And with that comes a whole host of expectations and everything else. Was there ever a time where you felt like this is too much? Mm, no, I didn't really feel any expectations. I don't know if I'm ignorant. Somebody said that to me the other day. They said, like, always put yourself first. You know, like, you when you have a following people start to rely on you, but you don't owe them anything. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a really nice sentiment, but I've actually never felt that way. Like, I just feel like I'm, like, I journal, I've journaled every day pretty much for like six and a half years. Like, I'm a writer. Wow. That's that's yeah. my, that's my calling in life. Like, if I'm not writing, I just don't feel like me as a person. So, like, people, I think, I think what people think is, oh, my God, so much thought must go into these girls' captions, blog posts, um, emails. And, yeah, absolutely, a lot of thought goes into them. But, like, I I write every day. Like, if yeah. I feel like it's a worthy message and then I share it. But if I don't, then, like, <laughs> I mean, 90% of the crap I write, you guys wouldn't even want to read. So in that respect, it's not like I'm, like, sitting up every day thinking, like, how can I get through to these people? Because that's just not yeah. the way it is. Like, yeah. I was like on a train station somewhere and be like, start thinking and it like germinates. And then I think, oh, I should write this down. So I do. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And Beck, um, oh, sorry to interrupt. What were we going to say? Uh, yeah, yeah. About the pressure thing. Like, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe I'm being a bit like optimistic because like, in some ways I think like, oh, maybe I'll just like increase my food. Like, not that I need to, I'm, I'm eating like a beast at the moment, but every now and then I kind of think like, oh, this is a bit honest, but like, will my engagement go down if like, I don't look amazing? And yeah. the, the answer is yes. But does that, does that really matter to me? Well, no, not that much because I would hope that my major following is engaging with me from my ideas and my approach to life 
rather than just like the pic because let's face it some of my photos aren't even very good <laughs> i wouldn't say that i think you're doing an exceptional job and beck one of the last questions i have for you are what are your goals my goals in life generally in life yep um be unaffected by the opinions of others. I think if I achieve that by the time I'm like 40, I'll be doing pretty well. Um, write a book. I have always wanted to be published. So when I, I reckon I was probably like eight, I said to mum, mum said, what are you going to do when you're older? And I said, oh, I'm going to be the editor of a magazine, which I've already done. And then I said, and then I'm going to write a book. And I haven't done that yet. So that's next. Um, and then I said, oh, and then I'm going to, this is so weird. Then I'm going to retire by the time I'm 32, um, on an <laughs> island. So that, that's next. <laughs> I, just, I wish we, I wish we'd videoed me at eight saying that. And then when I'm 32 on an island, I could just make the sickest video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, that yeah. is, that is boss as. <laughs> yeah. um, the, so the boss next. There's some pretty um, epic goals. Yeah, the other goals just aren't that important at the moment. Like I want to squat, I want to squat 160 by the end of the year. Wow. Um, but I reckon, like I'm probably halfway there. So just, and I also don't like speaking those ones too out loud because I feel like if it gets to December, everyone's going to be like, "So where's that 160?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what are your goals on that for the rest of 2017? Um, 2017, shit, such a, feels like such a big year. Um, I want to travel, so I'm going to Sweden in July. Um, my stepbrother's getting married there, so that'll be good. Then my best friend lives in Nairobi. I've been there before and I love it, so I'm going back there. And then I'll probably go to the US at the end of the year because um, Nick will be there for Olympia stuff and I'll, I'll just come in at the final minute, minute and um, go to some pool parties or something. <laughs> um, I want to get that book out. It's taken me so long. Yep. I think I said it's going to be launched in December and where are we now? February. But that's actually done. Like it's in the editing yeah. stages. So that's ready. Um, I just want to train lots of women like, it sounds weird. I just want to, uh, by the end of the year, like I hope that I can like look at my clients and have like 30 women who I feel like are moving in the right direction, mm. feeling happier and stronger and they love themselves. That's, yeah, it's probably like a lot of business stuff. And what else? Yeah, I'd love to be in a position next year where my dad's about to move out of our family home and I would love to be in a position where I can be like help him to like yeah. live where he wants to live. So that's probably a major goal. That's about it. Beck, you're, you're very impressive and I think you'll have no dramas helping a lot of women fall in love with the weights, improve their nutrition and start loving themselves because you've done an exceptional job so far. Thank I'd you. like to thank you for being on this episode of the JPS podcast and I'm looking forward to meeting you in April at yeah. our powerlifting meet. Yeah, that'll be mad. <laughs> what are the targets there? Um, I'll probably open with 140 on the squat, wow. probably open with 150, 155 on the deadlift, and then, God, the bench is just really, really screwing completely. The female bench open. press is an anomaly. 
yeah, I'm trying hard, but that motherfucker just won't go up. Um, I'll probably open with like 67.5 on the bench and then hopefully finish at like 75 or 80. That'd be yeah. ideal. That's awesome. I can't wait to see that. Beck, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate Thanks. it and we'll speak to you next time. All right, thank you. Thanks, Beck.